It's a Mailbag Monday. We're taking your questions about sleepers in the Astros organization, about MLB draft position and how much it really matters, and the College World Series. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before because Bet Online is where the game starts. So, as we do every Monday, we have got uh, questions. This one actually from friend of the show, host of Locked On Astros. H-Town Wheelhouse, and he says, give me a true sleeper in the Astros organization that fans should pay attention to. And because I am me, and I do what I do, I'm going to give you three. (laughs) So, all right, so three Astros players deeper in the system that you should pay attention to. The first one is right-hand pitcher Chase McDermott. He's in high A right now, 50 and a third innings, 5-1 record on the year, 25 walks to 76 strikeouts. So the thing about McDermott is really unconventional college career, right? So redshirt in 2018 because he had Tommy John his senior year of high school. Got hurt in 2019. Couldn't finish that year. Threw three times before the pandemic shut everything down in 2020. Finally got a full season in 2021, fourth round pick, um, had 13 and a half strikeouts per nine innings and went to low A last year and looked really well. So the thing here is he's gotten such little time to actually pitch competitively since high school that he's, he's more raw than a typical college draftee would be. So he's got a fastball. I think it's it's above average now. I think it can get to plus. It's around 95, 96. Can run up to 98. He's got two different breaking pitches. Uh, the curveball on a slider. And here's what I like about it. So the curveball is one of those 12 to 6 curveballs that just drops straight. It's just all vertical break. And then the, the slider uh, is on an incline. And so it, it kind of tilts and heads out of the zone. So, out of the hand, these three pitches all kind of disguise pretty well. And he can control them pretty well. So, at any given time, you may get a ball that's going to come, look like it's higher in the zone, and then just the bottom falls out. Or you could get a ball that looks like it's higher in the zone, and it's going to dart out of the strike zone. Or, it can just stay there and ride in at 96, maybe up to 98. So, you know, he... Combines all of these with the changeup that's charitably called a work in progress. But the other the other three pitches are good. The slider, the curveball, the fastball. And so he's not going to be like your number one or number two. He's not going to be an amazingly just like overpowering pitcher. But I think he's really good. The fastball uh, has a lot of that like that late movement to it that Houston really likes. Um. And so I think he's going to be a good, probably tops will be a number three, but probably more likely a number four or so. 
but he's going to be a reliable guy who can throw plenty of innings for you. Uh, like I said, 50 innings on the season right now, 76 strikeouts to 25 walks. I do want to see him work on that a bit. Um, four and a half walks per nine innings is not amazing. That's kind of typical what you would see from a number four or so guy, but I think that's probably something he needs to clean up. Uh, and then obviously he just needs reps, right? He's 23 in high A because he's missed out on so much development time and there's so much time that he didn't get to do in college because of injuries, because of the pandemic. So uh, he just needs reps. And then if he can work something out with that changeup where it's more than just a below average, you throw it one time and outing thing, that'd be great. But even with the three, which is the fastball, the slider, and the curveball, he can man the back of a rotation for you and give you bulk innings, which is what you need from your four or five. That's what you need. Uh, the second guy, uh, not rated last I saw, but middle infielder Dory Lorenzo, 2019 international free agent. And I'm calling him a middle infielder versus a shortstop because I think he's probably, I, th- I like him better at second. But uh, he was a $1.8 million signing in the 2019 IFA class. And he was like Houston's number one guy. Didn't play in 2020, went to Instructs. Got a late start last year. So only got 40 games in the complex league as an 18-year-old. Um, he's back there as a 19-year-old, which is common. Uh, it's only four games in, but he's batting 308, 357, 462, the shortest of small sample sizes. Please do not look at the stats. But just kind of what you see, um, only being 19, very mature approach for a 19-year-old. Good understanding of the strike zone, uh, good at, at knowing what pitches are going to do, how pitchers are going to attack him. He is a switch hitter. I think he's better as a righty, uh, but he can make contact from both sides. The power isn't necessarily there. He's 5'9", 180. It's just something where he's got to fill out a bit. Um, again, they've, 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 they signed him as a shortstop. I like him better at second. He's not, he doesn't have that incredibly insane top-end speed, and so I think that's something where he's going to end up being better at second anyway. He's got a decent arm. Um, it just doesn't have the, the, that quick twitch ability. Uh, but I see him making it up to low A this year. I'd like to see him make it um, and get more than just a cup of coffee in double A next year. And you're looking at a, 20, at a potential 24 call-up, depending on how his beginning of the year in 24 and double A goes. Um, I like what I see. Again, really mature approach. I'm curious to see as he does more of that physical maturation, what's going to happen, what he's going to look like, uh, and how that's going to translate into more power in his game. But I like Dory Lorenzo. Uh, And then the third guy, Jimmy Endersby, right-hand pitcher. Uh, And and he he was another guy that didn't get a whole lot of playing time in, in, in college. He only threw 45 innings. He started off... As an infielder at Cal State Fullerton, transferred to Division II, was a pitcher there, got shut down by the pandemic, and then was drafted. Uh, sorry, the draft came. He was an undrafted free agent in 2020, went all the way to Double A last year. He's back there this year, right now, two and three, three twelve ERA in 13 games, 57 and two thirds innings, 35 walks to 49 strikeouts. Obviously, the walks are an issue. I'm acknowledging that up front. Um, walks are an issue, but for a guy that is so incredibly raw, he has a good pitch arsenal. So uh, the fastball 
is a major league quality fastball. 2,600 RPMs on the four-seamer. He can throw it about 94-95 miles an hour. Uh, He's got both the curveball and a slider. Haven't seen a ton of looks at the slider, but I like what I saw um, of the few that I did see. Uh, Curveball, big breaking curveball like that. Changeup is kind of garbage. But it's below average. I'm sorry, it's below average. He's working on that. Um, Obviously, the thing here is, and it's kind of like McDermott, he just needs reps. He doesn't have the experience. He hasn't been able to go and figure it out on the fly uh, because he only got to throw 45 innings in college. So I trust an organization like the Astros to help him out, to help him figure this out, and to help him learn to be a good pitcher. I have more faith that you can build a pitcher out of parts than you can build a pitcher, I'm sorry, build a hitter out of parts. Uh, I feel good that they can build him into a guy that can help. I think he's another one of those back into the rotation four or five kind of guys, as well as also being a candidate if you ever needed to move someone for a pitching prospect. He's a guy you can build them up. He cost you 20 grand out of college. That's all he cost you. So there's a good, if you can include him as an extra piece in a deal, he's now, you've got a positive return on that investment. But uh, I like what I see. I like the curveball. I really like the fastball. I think the Indersby's got one of the better fastballs uh, as far as some of the advanced, I mean, not the velo everybody's thinking about, but some of the advanced metrics. Um, one of the better fastballs in the system, just not something that a lot of people necessarily have thought about for him, but something that I like. And in just a minute, I have uh, some good questions here about the upcoming MLB draft and about. Uh, how the draft combine went, and how much positioning really matters in the draft. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at AG1. I literally use AG1 every single day. Uh, I started taking it from Athletic Greens because um, I've been on tons of vitamins and supplements, and it's always kind of expensive to go about and buy all of these vitamins and all of these supplements and taking all of these things. Uh, I've, I've been on it now for a couple months. It doesn't taste like it's super, like it doesn't taste like a green drink, mind you. It's like a mild tropical taste. Uh, But in that mild tropical taste, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, whole food sourced superfoods and probiotics. So it's good for you. I wake up in the morning, uh, mix it with a glass of water, drink it first thing, give it about 20 minutes. And then I go ahead and um, make and have my coffee and things like that. It's good for your diet, no matter what your diet may be, you know, your lifestyle, keto, um, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, all of that stuff. Um, less than one gram of sugar. Um, and it's, it's honestly, it's, it's cheaper than buying all of the supplements and vitamins and probiotics and all that stuff you need on your own. Um, it's kind of like your, your, their, their terminology is like you're investing in nutritional insurance. So uh, right now it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So the MLB Draft Combine is wrapping up, uh, and this is second year they've had this. If you remember, this is where they bring everybody in. 
Uh, they they what the the high school kids go through when they play some draft uh, some mock tournaments, but everybody gets physicals, meets with teams, uh, does athletic testing, similar to the NFL Combine, except you have games involved in this too for the high schoolers. But uh, everything's outfitted with tr- uh, with with tracks with TrackMan and all of that, so you get all kind of cool stats. Uh, but had a couple questions about some guys that stood out from that as well as a bigger question about draft position and how much it matters. So one of the big stories coming out of uh, the Combine, and something I wasn't necessarily up to date on until the Combine, is pitcher Urangelo Sinte. So he's from Hialeah, Florida. He's committed to Mississippi State. He's uh, like a top 250 pitcher. Um, He's from Curacao, and he's a switch pitcher. So he can throw both left-handed and right-handed. And he's not necessarily, it's not like it's a, like it's a novelty. He's genuinely uh, good with it. Now, I mean, he, he has one of those funky ambidextrous gloves. He used to have to just change gloves. Um, but I've seen some stuff about him coming up maybe like in the top 10 rounds. I'm not sure if he'd go to Mississippi State or if he would take that. But uh, pitching right-handed, he's got, he's a little bit faster as a righty. He throws 93 to 95. Uh, He's got a pretty decent slider from that side as well. Comes in about 80 miles an hour. Lefty, he's thrown about 90, 91. A little bit slower as you see a lot of lefty pitchers do. Um, With a curveball that he can, that he can, Mid seventies, he could steal strikes with it every now and again, uh, and he won. He looked decent from both sides, which is just really interesting to say. Um, his control wasn't amazing. I mean, it wavered a bit of times. He had a bunch of deep counts. He walked a guy, but like nobody got a ball in play against him at all. And so, I mean, it's it's something where you know he's like five nine, five ten. 180. Um, I mean, it's there's nobody. I don't think there's anybody who's thrown as hard as him with both hands. Um, Pat Pat Ben Venditti in 2015 was an ambidextrous major league pitcher, um, but he was like 85 as a righty, 83 as a lefty. Like he wasn't anywhere close to this. Um, and the hard part here with trying to figure out where he would go is you can't just, like, if he's a seventh rounder as a righty and a ninth rounder as a lefty, you don't just add those up and be like, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a fourth rounder. Like, that's not how it works. It's not easy to predict what's going to happen here because, as I understand it, like, if he throws righty in an inning and then, like, between innings, if you want him to throw as a lefty the next inning, he has to go warm up as a lefty. So, like, he has to stay loose, which makes me wonder if he's going to end up being a reliever, which drop, which lowers the value. I mean, the value here, obviously, is a starting pitcher who can handle both righties and lefties and do all of this stuff. Uh, apparently, he was born lefty, and he wanted to mimic his father, so he learned to throw right-handed. And so now he does them both. But it's something where I don't necessarily know what's going to happen. I know it's a cool story. Go out and read more about it. I mean, um, he said 
he's said publicly he wants to go to college. Um, scouts have said they think he's going to sign a professional deal this year, just in case. Um, but either way, I think it's really interesting. He's actually apparently already friends with Ozzy Albies. They're both from Curacao. It's a small, it's a small island. Andrew Jones is from there as well. You know, Kenley Jansen, also a Brave right now. Andrew Jones was a Brave. Angleton Simmons was a Brave. I think the Braves' core competency was getting all the players from Curacao, apparently. But uh, no, so really kind of interesting. And it led to a bigger question, which there's obviously, we could go on about the Combine for days. I'll probably do a show this week about Combine standouts. But it brought us to a bigger question about like how much does does your spot in the MLB draft really matter? Because these players take years to get to the big leagues and you don't know if they're going to sign with you anyway. And because of the money, how we always talk about how teams can go and get two or three first round picks, talents later in the draft because of the money, how much does your spot matter? So the things that we've learned about picking in the MLB draft, uh, there's a couple noticeable patterns is one. Teams have gotten really good at figuring out who are the best players in the draft and drafting them at the top, like the top three picks or the top seven within the top 10, things like that. Like teams have gotten very good at doing that. So if you go back and you look by total war, um, teams are good at taking the best players in the, uh, in the draft for the most part and getting them at the top getting the best players in the draft in that top 10. They're very good at that. And then the set, like, and like this year, we've talked about, it's pretty much a six-man class. Like it's a six, like there's those six players at the top. So it's very easy for them to get those guys taken in the top of the draft. If one of them is there, you take them. And they figure teams, like there's a consensus who were the best players in this draft. All the teams know who the best players are. So there's that. MLB teams are very good at that. So having a pick in that top to get one of that top the, that top tier of players that matters. Uh, that's why I'm a little pessimistic on the concept of the lottery because the number one overall pick isn't as important as it is getting in that top tier. So you may still be a lottery team. You may not. You may have the worst record. You may not get the number one pick. But if you're in the top four, and you know that there's this is a five player draft, you're happy. You don't care that you're not number two. You're fine being number four as long as you're in the group that has the highest tier of talent. And then the second thing, the second kind of common theme that we've noticed is teams are very good at figuring out which tiers players go in. So like how you group the players. So like it's the first five or seven players and there's like a a cutoff. And then below that, there's the next, like, 25. And they're all kind of similar. And then there's the next 50. Teams have gotten very good when you go and you look at, like, total war by pick numbers and by ranges. Teams have gotten very good at figuring out where the markers are and which tiers players belong in. So when you see a guy who jumps in the draft... It's because, like, it's probably because we had him valued wrong. We, as in the prospect apparatus. Um, The teams have shown, MLB teams have shown that they are pretty good at figuring out where these players, 
genuinely belong. And I say this with the understanding that there's always outliers. Mike Trout was a 25th pick. Mookie Betts was the 172nd pick in 2011. There's always outliers. But for the most part, teams are good at figuring out who the best players are in the draft. And they're good at figuring out which tier a player belongs in and them getting selected in that tier. Um, The obvious exception to this is the prep players that have signability questions. They're the ones they may, tier-wise, teams know where they belong, but they get drafted earlier or later based on signability. That's the only real variable in this. So getting the number one overall pick does help from the perspective of your bonus pool is bigger. It doesn't necessarily help as far as getting the best player at the very top of the board, but it gives you more money to help buy those players out of their college commitments. In just a minute, speaking of college, I do want to get to the College World Series. I was asked a question about some of the um, some of the outstanding performers so far and some guys to watch for uh, if you're a fan of the draft. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, and you can get the latest sports developments uh, league reviews and news, this year's hockey playoffs, Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, sports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best sp- spot for all your sports scores and news this season. It's the fastest, fastest and easiest way to check in on your favorite sports and events like MMA, boxing, and even golf. I hear they have two tours now, and it's kind of controversial. Um, but you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action on gambling for both of those because bet online is where the game starts. So College World Series is going on as you're listening to this on Monday. Uh, today is the second day of elimination games um, to see who gets to stay and who has to go home because uh, the format is you will lose twice and you're out. And then once you've narrowed it down to two teams, those teams play a three-game series. So this week is the College World Series. You'll have games all week. Um, This upcoming weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, would be the College World Series championship. We'll have a champion after next Monday. So there you go. But a couple guys who have just really stood out uh, so far as far as being dominant and really, really looking great. Uh, The first one, guy we weren't necessarily expecting it from, Dylan DeLucia. So, uh, pitcher for Old Miss, and he's a junior college transfer, uh, was a reliever to start the season, started in the bullpen, and bunch of injuries, bunch of um, ineffectiveness, and so Mike Bianco, the, the head coach at Old Miss, had to shuffle the rotation around. Dylan DeLucia was promoted to weekend starter, he is now the ace of the staff. So he went in against Auburn over the weekend and just absolutely destroyed him. He's now, um, he, he, he re- retired 14 straight batters to open the game. He was perfect into the fifth inning. Um, Auburn scored one time, seventh inning, three straight hits. Uh, but he went seven and two thirds, four hits, one run, struck out 10 batters, didn't walk anybody, and only got into a three ball count twice. Just 
could do everything he wanted. And so uh, a big part of it for him was the fastball slider combo. So he does this thing where, depending if it's a righty or a lefty, he adjusts where his finger is on the slider so that it moves differently. And then he varies the speed. So he can make it break slightly differently based on righty or lefty. And then he's got three different speeds for it. So the velo doesn't necessarily look overwhelming on anything. Fastball is mid-90s, you know, low to mid-90s, 93, 94, whatever. Uh, But it moves well, and then, and he can command it. He's got good run on the pitch. And then the slider, like I said, he can do different speeds with it. He can do different finger placements to adjust the spin slightly. And it all comes from the exact same slot. Very good at disguising it. Um, just absolutely ran through that Auburn lineup. The same Auburn lineup that scored 53 runs in regionals. Uh, Sonny DeShera, we've been talking about the first baseman. Is a, he's been on the show. Um, Sonny DeShera is a potential you know, top five pick, like top five rounds um, pick. But no, just Dylan DeLucia has looked fantastic. Uh, another guy that's looked really good uh, was Cade Horton. I thought Cade Horton looked fantastic for for Oklahoma, and it was just something his his slider. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, his 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 slider. So he was he had something where he missed some time because of Tommy John, and he kind of came back. And the question was like, what was he going to, what was he going to look like when he came back, and he went out there and just absolutely ripped through Texas A&M. I mean, I really impressive. Looked very, very good. Um, picked up the win. And you, it just kind of makes you wonder how much do we need to worry about guys that have Tommy John? Like, I know that's an odd question to ask, but... um how concerned are we with these guys that have Tommy John's rather early? Uh, because oftentimes they look like, I'm sorry, I said Texas A&M, Notre Dame. He tore through Notre Dame. Um, something where we've always wondered about how guys can come back from Tommy John and we get nervous about how a young pitcher recovers from Tommy John. It feels like they've been doing pretty well. Feels like they've been recovering um, fairly well. And he's a guy who had one last season and is looking better than he was before, honestly. And then another guy, um, 2023 possible number one overall, shortstop Jacob Gonzalez. Uh, Again, for Ole Miss as well. uh, Had a very good, um, had a very good game against Auburn. Defensively, been very impressed with what he's done. Um, offensively, though, has hit the timely hits, has done what he needed to do, and it's just something where he's got all five tools. Um, I say that. The power could be better, but I think it's coming. And so he's the early favorite as of now to be the number one overall pick next year if it's a college guy instead of a prep guy. And again, a lot of that comes back down to money. But if it's a college guy instead of a prep guy, I see uh, Jacob Gonzalez of Old Miss potentially being that guy. Great week of shows this week. 
If you're watching us on YouTube, do us a favor, like and subscribe. Really does help the show a ton. Um, but until the, you know, until we talk again, this has been locked on MLB prospects. Uh-huh.